You are listening to Revolver Podcast. Welcome to Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Cogill, and today two new films are off and running in local theaters, and that includes Texas actress Renee Zellweger returning as Bridget Jones in Bridget Jones's Baby, and Oliver Stone, the Oscar-winning director of Platoon and Born on the Fourth of July in Wall Street, is back with another deep thinker, this time about NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Cogill. We're pairing a few fantastic wines from incredible women on this week's show. This week, we'll toast Bridget Jones with Inman Family Wines, and for Snowden, a special wine crafted by one of our favorite winemakers, Amy Aiken. Well, you're one of my favorite women. Well, thank you. I'm not a winemaker, though. Well, you know more about wine than anybody I know on the planet. So, <laughs> hey, let's talk about Bridget Jones's baby because we saw this together. Yes. So, when you go into a movie with a lot of expectations, sometimes it's different. And uh, I tried to stay away from a lot of reviews, but I'd read a couple of things that said, hey, this is really funny and really, yeah. really good and all that. And so so I went in with and, and kind of wanting Hopeful. to laugh yeah. because it's kind of been stressful lately, you know, politics, our world. TV, our world and all that stuff. Yes. So I'm going to say I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I, I think I it's a, I think cute. it's a kind of a whimsical, funny, R-rated, dirty, little British film. Those Brits, they sure do curse a lot. <laughs> They with cur- their babies in the car. They curse a lot with their children. Their children <laughs> curse a lot. And then they like to show their bottoms. Yes. Their and bollocks. The, and there it's the British humor. They like to show private parts. Yes. It is British humor. So this time... Um, they like to moon things. So <laughs> they do. Bridget Jones, uh, Renee, Texas actress. Uh, by the way, the first film that came out, I think it was 2001, and it was uh, four years later, or three or four years mm-hmm. later, the sequel. I never thought the sequel was the a sequel very good film. Not, yeah. I thought the original was really funny. It was adorable, yes. A really cool film. She was nominated for an Oscar for that. Really? In 2001. Oh, yes, she was. Nice. And this one's by the same director. It's a female, Sharon McGuire, and she directed the original. She did not do the sequel. So she's in good company mm-hmm. with that. Emma Thompson co-wrote the screenplay and has a small part. And as, has a great part as the fertility or as, as the doctor, doctor, the gynecologist, as the OBGYN. Yeah, yeah. the OBGYN. You will, yes, you would know that more than me. <laughs> so Colin Firth is in it. Um, um, Hugh Grant is not in it. Won't say why. But the opening of the scene, she's now 43 years old. Yes. She's working as a, a news producer. She's a producer. In London for a really bad news show. With And I like the guy who was her producer in the first one right. is back now again in another role, but in this TV station. So she's she's maintained a job. She's maintained a job. She has a big-time job. Yeah. I mean, she's a big-time news producer. It's a really loopy show, and it's real slapsticky. And, but, They're hard uh, news. And also, like she's cel- the opening, opening scene, she's celebrating her birthday by herself. Yes, her 43rd. And so she just longs for a man. I just long for a man, Gary. But then she just jumps up and down and dances. Well, and she goes to a weird festival. I don't know where. It was like a cross between Burning Man and Woodstock outside of it was London like, it somewhere. Was, exactly. It's like England's Burning Man. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but she gets really wasted and gets drunk and meets a guy, Patrick Dempsey, who ends up being a billionaire guy that... Has a matchmaking internet matchmaking uh, company. A lag, uh, al- <laughs> <laughs> she has a fling. Yeah. Ala what? No. <laughs> she has she has a yes, fling sorry. with Patrick Dempsey, Doctor Dreamy, Doctor McDreamy, McDreamy, and then in the same week reunites <gasps> with Mister Darcy. <sighs> Uh, which we like Colin Firth a lot and has a fling with him. Yes. So the whole movie is she gets pregnant, of course. She has just spent the whole entire movie figuring out, trying to put a finger on the father. 
Did I say that right? Mark it. Just trying to figure out who the father is in this. So it's all very silly, but I'm going to say the scene where they go through the revolving door because <laughs> she's pregnant to. and they can't get her through it is really there's a whole bunch of bits like that yeah. that I think are really funny. There's a there's a sweet side and then there's a some very funny. I mean, it's not like uh you're cracking up the whole way through it. No. It's certainly not like Sex in the City. And it's and it's not as I think the first Bridget Jones was so good and it's not that good but it's not it's much better than the second one i think it's in the cinematic ballpark of the first but it's not playing the same position yeah yeah and it's not, and it's light years ahead of that that bad sequel we had and emma thompson who wrote it is a really good writer she won the oscar for writing sense and sensibilities yeah, she, did. she won an academy award for that that, that and she's just a really good writer and she's created a funny little part for herself kind of a funny little Cynical part. So there's nothing to really figure out other than who the dad is. But we all we like both of them. Well, and you, you're kind of rooting for both. Of yeah, them. and you like seeing you, the good guys, yeah. all the friends. It's it's nice to see kind of a cast reunited and and everybody kind of still plays a part and seeing how those lives have yeah. have progressed. And I know that this was based off a book. I never read the book or books, um, but but I thought it was cute. And there's a lot of talk out there in the internet world about her looks, and I'm not even going to go there because no. I don't really care she's really good in this film she's kind of made for this stuff and she's dropped out and now making the talk show circuit and of course someday she'll be on wine and film a perfect parent well we'd be we would love to have her and we'd love to pair what something with her but what we're going to pair with this film (laughs) for bridget jones's baby so you know bridget just can't get mark darcy out of her mind even with dr mcdreamy in the house and i gotta tell you he you know patrick dempsey that's a good looking man. man. That's yeah, a- good looking man, isn't he? So we'll pair her endless crush on Mr. Darkey, Darcy with an aptly named Rose in Inman Family Wines Endless Crush Rose. Um, from Sonoma, winemaker owner Kathleen Inman created her Endless Crush Rose um, from her cool climate Russian River Pinot Noir wines. Um, as kind of a gift to her husband, Simon, on their anniversary in 2004. In 2004, I want to say the day that they um, harvested their Pinot Noir, that was the first um, vintage that she made this Endless Crush. It was her 20th wedding anniversary. And I'm not going to say that this is this is the exact story that she told me, but it might be the exact story that she told me, and that is that she was. It's the middle of harvest. It's it, there's no time to to think about anything. You know how who twenty years before why did she get married on a date that would be in the middle of her Pinot Noir harvest? But she, um, as they're harvesting the fruit, she realized it was her an- anniversary, and so she had to find a good prize for her hubby. So she made him a bottle of wine, and it's a beautiful rosé. I think it's a hopelessly romantic notion. It's, it's the sweetest, and it's kind of in celebration of of the picnics that they had when they were courting and, and the early years of their dating and their marriage, and, and it's very fruit-forward, um, luscious, kind of tangerine, watermelon, lots of wild kind of strawberry flavors, and it's beautiful. It has a has a lovely um, kind of rose on the, on the label. It's it's just, it's a really consistently delicious, refreshing, light rosé. Um, ty- not not a very large production. So it's kind of one of those things that when it comes out, when the, the wine's released, grab it. Is it pretty reasonable? I want to say it's like $20, $28. Oh, that's like very that. reasonable. So just, but a really, really, you know, from her, her Russian River fruit, she makes a lot of different wines, including some just traditional Pinot Noirs, but this little rosé, it's always been one of my favorites. So isn't, uh, traditionally, don't 
men make rosés for their wives? Well, I've never heard of a wife making it for her husband. Well, I think that that's probably because there just aren't as many female winemakers. Is that what you, <laughs> well, could be? You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. I'm just thinking uh, that, yeah. that rosé is this kind of um, Provence, Provence style uh, rosé. I'm thinking of, of the handful of winemakers that come to the top of my head in, in yeah. Provence, and they're all men. Yeah, they're all men. But um, so I'm going I'm to raise my hand and say I love a good glass of rosé. Well, I'm a guy. Uh, we live in a hot weather environment. We like pink wine. But even when it's a frozen environment, we'll open that bottle. Well, I think that that's the 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 question. Some people do just think that rosé is the perfect wine for for a hot summer day, and we're talking dry rosé. This it might be fruity, but it's not sweet. There's not a touch of residual sugar in these wines, so um, it's not. That, that bad stuff that people used to drink in the 80s. Um, this pink wine is very, very clean. It's very crisp. Lots of kind of, like I said, herbal notes and beautiful fruit notes that also pairs really beautifully with your Thanksgiving turkey. Yeah. And and I think that, that it's great in the summertime, but it can also be such a great food wine. And a food wine, if you don't want maybe a, a white wine, you, you do want something that maybe has a little bit more character, a little bit more um, of those kind of red fruit notes instead of kind of the, the citrus, the lemon, the apple kind of notes that you find in, in different white wines. So it's going to give you those flavors without having that... So we're sitting on the porch, and we're drinking Inman Rosé. Her Endless Crush. Endless Crush Rosé. Yes. And and I ask you the question, what's the best Renee Zellweger film ever? Is it Bridget Jones, the first one? Sure. Yeah? Well, that- yeah. I mean, I, I think we, because we, when we left the theater the other night, we were talking about this, and I think both of us love Cold Mountain. Cold Mountain's good. And really she good. is dirty and hard and yeah. awesome in that film. Yeah. But I think, and she's adorable in Chicago. You know, she plays a great part. She plays it well. Um, she's great in Chicago. But I do love It's her. an Oscar-winning film. Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. All right. Well, no, she's, 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 she's a great back, career. Yeah, and back and doing good, good stuff. Yeah. yeah. A good film, and uh, actually a good film that we'd recommend, and also a wine that Haley would recommend. So when we come back on wine and film, a perfect pairing. It's the director of JFK and Nixon and that weird film W. He takes on the current life and times of Edward Snowden, and we will be right back. And we're back on Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. Now, Oliver Stone's been a fascinating director for me personally. He takes on difficult subjects. He often injects his own point of view. He's been very controversial. He's made some dazzling films. I actually know Oliver Stone. I spent a lot of time with him in Dallas back when he was making JFK and talk radio. JFK, of course, with Kevin Costner. But his latest is called Snowden, and it and it's really about it's a political thriller about somebody that we know about that we've read about in the news, and it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing Edward Snowden, and they spend a lot of time together in Russia in pre-production, getting ready for this film. It's a fifty million dollar film directed by Oliver Stone, who has not had a good film in a quite while. a few years. Yeah. He's been doing some really great documentary work, but uh, as a feature film, you, you go into an Oliver Stone going, oh, he's so far on the left. 
that he's going to offend everyone on the right. And personally, I don't care what side he's on. I just want him to make a Have good, a good film. film. This sure. is a really, really good movie. It's a little slow in the in the beginning because it's about people who talk. Mm-hmm. And Edward Snowden's a very bright guy, and his girlfriend, played by Shailene Woolley, Woodley, who we loved in The Descendants, is just really, really good. But it's got Melissa Leo and Zachary Quinto, and it's got Tom Wilkinson and Scott Eastwood. It's got Reese Evans, and it's got a very weird Nicolas Cage who works for the NSA down in the basement. And <laughs> Why has, does that not surprise me? Has lots of weird recording <laughs> equipment. So what we know about Snowden, and I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head around how I feel about all this because it doesn't really matter how I feel about Snowden. I'm just kind of interested in privacy and piracy and all those kinds of things that secrets, you know, what the government knows, what the government doesn't know. And according to Snowden, they kind of know anything they want whenever they want on anyone they want. And so when he blew the whistle um, and 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 then ended up in Russia and the government is after him and they want to prosecute him and take him to trial, this is kind of his defense. And I'm going to say right up front that Oliver Stone, um, I think, is sympath- very sympathetic towards Edward Snowden. But it's not a far left film. It's kind of about how all this unfolded. And to make the film work, it's about the relationship between him and his girlfriend because mm-hmm. they've been together 10 years and they're really interesting. And as Oliver Stone has said, the movie wouldn't be interesting if it wasn't really about their relationship with all the stuff about the NSA as part of that. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Because, because then it's just a, kind of a cold, calculated movie about numbers mm-hmm. and about secrets. And, and he didn't want to make that movie. This is a really interesting film about a couple that get together, break up, get together, break up, because he's going through a lot and he can never talk about what he's doing at home because everything he does for the government is a secret. Right. It, you know, because he works for the NSA. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I find the film really, really interesting. I still don't know what I think about it other than I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle because I, I, I think Edward Snowden, I think we have a history of whistleblowers in our country that are really significant. I'm not sure he's one of them yet, but I think he might be, but I think time will tell. And this is just me personally saying this, that at some point, you know, do you allow a government just to know anything about you anytime and break in? On your private life anytime well, they that want. Well, it's the whole big brother thing. And how do you and, stay safe as a country in an era of terrorism? Right. Because I mean, that's the, that's not a vacuum. Well, and I think that this is kind of the conversation that we've, we've had. You know, I listen to my phone calls. I'm not saying anything. You can, you know, I, I, I do have, have spam emails sometimes pop up because I, I search wine sites so much. So I, I sometimes get some, you need to go to rehab. you get porno spam? No, I get rehab. You, you, porno if you, wine? If you need to go to rehab because I'm always searching wine sites. Oh my God. So it's, That's you know, but, but it's not like I, I don't have anything to hide. But I think that it's the question of, doesn't matter if you have anything to hide. It's do you have a right to hide something, and right. and that's I guess where the and they address, is. it's a, a big addression uh, thing they address in the movie is is uh, just because because it, people say that Snowden all the time. Just because you don't have something to hide doesn't mean you just ignore the whole issue of the government without any authority or a judge writing a, a, an order cannot really invade your privacy. And so those are those are big issues. We're all trying to wrap our head around, especially with an internet that's so far faster than any of us are living our lives. Well, that's the other side. Is can we actually keep up with the technology that right. that's being produced? Well, it's been it's real interesting. He he does on and Snowden appears in the film. Beers as himself in the film. And when you see Joseph Gordon-Levitt next to him, it's it's absolutely fascinating. So how did he, because, you know, we love Joseph Gordon-Levitt and, yeah. and have, he, I think it's interesting that now he's played two real-life, still-alive... Philippe Petit, yes, the tightrope walker. Yes, um, characters. In The Walk. In The Walk. Yeah. And, and, and this. So he's 
how how is he maturing as an actor? Because we've we've watched him for quite some time. I think this is the best thing he may have ever done. Really? And he's been he was in Inception. Yeah, he's been in some good films. The yeah. Walk is a very good film. Mm-hmm. I think he, this is the best performance by him because he's not only doing an impersonation in a way, he's just trying to be accurate as an actor, but he's so close in the impersonation that it's kind of eerie. And she's really close to her, too. Uh, the, they had a screening, and Snowden's grandparents were there and came up and thanked Oliver Stone for getting their grandson right. And Joseph Gordon, and he came, they say that to Joseph Gordon Levitt, too, and he just started crying. Because what he wants is just to be as accurate as he can as right. an actor. You know? right. You know, all those facts and figures are something up to the director, but he wants to play him, you know, s- smartly as he can. Mm-hmm. So we have a, a, a film about espionage in a way, yes. about secrets. To, yes. Controversial. We don't know how it's going to all play out. It plays out every day in the news. But what wine? <laughs> I'm fascinated by your choice. So it's so funny as as I start thinking of, of what we're going to pair with our films this week. And, and both of these uh, pairings came actually pretty easy. And, and so I love this wine to pair with this very mischievous film from uh, wine, Napa Valley winemaker Amy Aiken, her Conspire Sauvignon Blanc. Conspire is the name of the wine. So, yes, it is called it is called Conspire, and I suppose it d- does depend upon which side you sit on. Um, but if you think he broke the law, then the definition of Conspire is to make secret plans jointly to commit an unlawful or harmful act. Well, he, what he did was unlawful. And... and so Amy and her, how she decided to to name this particular wine, she's also and and a wine that we both love. Yeah. Um, her meander wine is her cabernet uh, her cabernet sauvignon um, from I think predominantly Rutherford uh, fruit in Napa beautiful. Valley. Meander is a beautiful, luscious, wine. lovely, beautiful. Amy is is one of the most talented winemakers. She's also married to a, a very famous Napa Valley winemaker, Joel Aiken. But these ones are 100% her, 100% her own expression of what she wants to do. And as she says, she likes to conspire with, with very um, small boutique, often family-owned um, vintners to create this, this very terroir driven wine that that kind of captures the snapshot of a place in time, which I also kind of like just in that thought with what Snowden did, because who knows in, in 20 years if this is even going to be relevant because of where our world will have taken right. us by then. Um, but it's a beautiful wine, lots of white flower, great minerality, lots of good acidity, really lovely texture, soft herbs, Bright lemon, lime, kind of citrus fruit, but it's also really concentrated, um, luscious, lovely, lovely texture. Really, really special. Be- just a beautiful wine. Conspire like Sauvignon said, Blanc. Just adore her and everything. You know, pretty much anything that Amy makes, I will, I will jump at the chance. So to we've spent some time tasting with her, and we've we been to her place. Yeah. And, and I remember sitting in her. I want to call it a garage, but it's <laughs> in her it's, tasting room. It's their well, tasting room, which is kind of like yeah, a warehouse. It's their warehouse where they make the wine. Yes, and she, she is just so level-headed and down to earth, and kind of a go-getter too. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Because she's, that's kind of a power couple. Absolutely. In, in the wine world. Anyway. Well, and I think that that's when Amy first got started. She, um, she met Joel after moving to Napa, but didn't go to work with him. He, he was a winemaker at, at BV and, and has his own Aiken wine. And, and some people, when Amy got started, they kind of said, oh, your husband's really making your wine. And this is, this is her. She, she, when she first arrived in Napa, she worked at Joseph Phelps. She, she did her own training. 
she is the real deal on her own. And then she just, you know, gets lucky having a, a great husband, and he is definitely a very lucky man. I'm really curious about people. I'm, I'm going back to this movie a little bit because my mind is turning now because yeah. I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah. I'm just going to say it's a really good movie. Now, a lot of people have so much political bent that they wouldn't know a good movie if it hit them over the head because they're just so politically bent one way. But it's a really good movie, and I learned so much that as I make up my own mind about Edward Snowden and how all this happened. I I find that these details in the movie about the relationship really interesting and fascinating. And also, I I mean, he he when he sold the secrets and all those files, he didn't he didn't sell them. He gave them to the press Mm -hmm. to the Guardian in London. He didn't sell them to the Russians, and he hasn't, he's never given them to another. And and I, I think as time goes by, we're going to see more and more. You know, what are we going to do with Edward Snowden? Will he ever come back to this country? How much how much time should he serve in prison, or not at all? Mm-hmm. And I, I think all the all that's open for discussion. But I really think it's interesting, and the details of how he did what he did are really really interesting. Uh, Oliver Stone paints him in a, in a good light. He's a patriot in this film, according to him. But it's also, uh, it's a bigger issue, not just a guy, but, you know, can you just let the government well, know everything all the exactly. time? Exactly. It's it's the questions that, it, that it's how do you, raised since then. And how, how do you not do that and stay safe, mm-hmm. you know, uh, amongst terrorism and, and, the, and the way, the crazy way the world is? I'm, I don't know. I, I keep running around in my head. I haven't figured it out. Bottom line, this is a really good wine, and that's a really good film. We've had two good films this week yeah. and two really good wines. So we're going to take a quick break. When Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing comes back, um, a couple questions. Um, I've got one or two for you. I know you've got one or two for me, and we will be right back. Welcome back, everyone, to Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing, and the part of the show where we like to engage each other in conversation by asking questions. And so, Haley, right now... Here's my question, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there's a push amongst the wine industry for Sauvignon Blanc. Is that just in my head? Um, I feel like more and more people are trying to up the price of it. I see it more. Is it just because I've... Is it maybe because I look to you and well, we drink more of it? I just because we I just did a story and so we've been drinking a well, lot. But, but I said this because every once in a while now I'm running across where I never heard of this before. A Sauvignon Blanc might cost a hundred dollars a bottle, and I've never heard of that before until recently. Well, and I, I think that if that's kind of where your question's going, then then it's probably just the Sauvignon Blancs maybe that you've come across in the past. I mean, I think that. Uh, that if it's a price point that that is the question, then then you wouldn't think twice about paying a hundred dollars for a bottle of Cabernet Sauvignon. You wouldn't uh, think twice about paying uh, an expensive price for a Chardonnay or you know one hundred and fifty dollars for a Montrachet or some of these different um, wines. And Sauvignon Blanc is is the same way, but you're probably maybe looking at a different style of Sauvignon Blanc instead. You know, if if you're Producing a, a Sauvignon Blanc from maybe a Central Coast California vineyard that is stainless steel fermented and bottled shortly after you know fermentation com- is completed and out on a store shelf, well, that's probably not going to be your hundred dollar no, Sauvignon Blanc. It's going to be sixteen or thirteen to twenty eight or, or thirty. 10 yeah, or, or you 10. know it's it's but then you you look you have to look at all the different elements and so you have. 
um, you have high quality vineyards. You have um, a lot of these Sauvignon Blancs, and probably what you're you're thinking of. I, I know, for instance, one that we love is from Robin Lale in mm-hmm. Georgia. That's a barrel aged for I want to say eighteen months in French oak. French oak is very expensive um, wine that that has least stirring and the the quality of the fruit because it's great Napa Valley fruit. Um, made by Philippe Melka, who is one of the kind of rock star, amazing uh, winemakers in Napa and uh, in France. Um, so all of those kind of elements go into the price of of any bottle of wine, and and so you might have something that is maybe more expensive, but it's because of the different elements that that go into it yeah. and and so and I will in tasting those wines you can tell i mean you can there's a big difference it's, for me well and i think that cuz robin also makes a her blueprint sauvignon blanc that is partially barrel aged mostly a stainless steel fermented um you know not new french oak not for you know the the aging period is is much shorter um, and it's a $40 bottle of Sauvignon Blanc or a $50 bottle instead of a $120 bottle. Right. And and so quality is still there. It's just a different kind of process. And yeah. and then it just and, – and I will say, yes, Georgia is an expensive Sauvignon Blanc. Vineyard 29 makes a just incredible uh, Sauvignon Blanc in the same kind of barrel-aged style. The, I yes, yes, I will drink that wine with with joy because it has so much texture and so much richness, and it's just such a beautiful. Special so as my wine. taste gets better, I'm, uh, the prices go up sometimes for me. <laughs> well, it's, it's, a, it's a bad habit. It's a uh, yeah. It could be a bad habit for us. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's part of it. No, but you answered my question. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I've always been kind of curious about because you did you listed some of these great Oliver Stone films, and and then we have seen some rather dreadful ones i yeah. mean you mm-hmm. brought up wall street and the and i think you said that that he the did sequel, yeah. the sequel also wall street never sleeps and money it, never sleeps and or. that was just not a, no. a great film so no. what kind of how what kind of person is oliver stone he's a he's a very intense person and a high level intellectual and uh, a book reader and a consumer of literature he also grew up a very messed up lifestyle had really? very messed up parents very promiscuous parents craziness right in front of him his whole life he ran away from home and went to vietnam and platoon is all of his you know charlie sheen is him mm-hmm. in platoon and and became a writer and and uh, started writing he wrote a horror film called the hand i think he directed it where a severed hand follows the body around and tries to find it over hundreds of miles i mean it's a creepy little weird film but oliver stone's always been fascinating to me uh he's also really intense a lot of people that work with him would just get so irritated on set because he's so driven. You know, you work long days and long, hard hours. And then when you finally see a finished product like Born on the Fourth of July or, or JFK or, or Wall Street or some of these films, then you go, Oh, that's it. Nixon. Nixon's a great film. And Nixon is very fair to Richard Nixon. Mm-hmm. So I have a guy you think is on the far left making a film about a guy on the right. And he's very, Nixon's really one of the best films about presidents. He's, He's made so I've always liked him. He called me up one day and and asked me to audition for JFK. So I auditioned and uh, got called back three times. Thought I was just I got called back for a fourth time. Thought I was getting this little tiny part with three or four lines, and then they threw the part away because they're rewriting constantly. And he had me read for another part, and I stunk to high heaven. 
fact, at the end of the read in front of him, in a room with him and I and the casting director, I said, I really stink in this part. And he said, yes, you do. Let's find something else for Gary to do. But he spent a lot of time with me. And he, so he was on Nightline one night. And while he was on Nightline, he called me and, and said, would you come and coach me about being on TV? Because I don't know how to do it. And he was terrified and nervous. I remember standing in the corner shaking. And I spent three hours with him just trying to convince him that he already knew in his head what was right to say. He was, he was on with Ted Koppel talking about making JFK. And everybody's mad at him about JFK. JFK is a movie full of theories. Right. He tried to get in as many as he could. Yeah. He doesn't believe Throw half of in. them. He doesn't believe half of them. But, you know, it's, but he's, I've always respected him because, um, if you're going to go play with him and if you're going to have that conversation with him, you better have your guns ready because he's well read and well educated smart. and smart. He's extremely smart. You might not agree with him, but he knows his stuff. So I, I always find him kind of interesting and kind of fascinating. So can we change subject a little sure. bit? Because this sure. weekend is also kind of a big weekend on the TV side, even though we talk film. But there's such great TV, and the Emmys are coming up on Sunday. The Emmys have become interesting. They're so interesting. They were a joke to me for years. Well, sure. Because it's just a bunch of bad television. But right. now that television is on the same level as films, and in fact, in some ways better because yeah. of the writing. The writing is so good. I mean, how many, we could list 40 TV shows And you right can now. flush out so much more over a, the season of a, yeah. of a TV show or even some of these things like American Crime that an entire story takes place over, you know, what, eight weeks yes. or 13 weeks. Well, Game of Thrones is oh, so, good. so good. But you have Game of Thrones and House of Cards and, you know, before we had Breaking Bad, you've got The Night Of now. And, and Ray Donovan. And, and, and Ray Donovan and The Nick with Clive Owen. Yeah. The Nick is really, really good. Well, and then things like Chef's Table that now, yeah. even though it's on Netflix, can are considered as a part of of, yeah. of the Emmys and, like you said, House of Cards. And well, I don't care if the Kardashians win. I care. I look at these Best Actor nominees in a drama series or a comedy series and the actresses and then all the subcategories that they have. And I'm really interested in them because these, you know, Orange is the New Black, these shows that are out there now are and – and to watch something like Netflix and some of these other – And Amazon that's Amazon, producing Yahoo, things, yes. That are starting to get in that. Will they get to that level? And the answer is yes, mm -hmm. they are. And they're getting there very quickly. So I'm – I think the Emmys are really... I think it's going to be a really fun really, show. For the first time, and I think last year, we, we talked about this last year, but the last year was the first time I was really interested in the Emmys. And I think I was the year before. But, you know, in years before, you know, 10 years ago. Well, you're also, you're bringing the, the, the actors, though. You uh, Well, they're film actors doing, doing really great doing stuff great on TV. On, exactly. And, and before, then, they wouldn't cross-pollinate. Well, and then you've seen this whole, you know, Brian Cranston's career, who is so good in so many different parts. You know, like, we was nominated yeah. last year for Trumbo. And honestly... He's got a, JF, he's got a LBJ movie right. coming out. And, and yet I... I know he had done a lot of work before Breaking Bad, but that was kind of like, oh, hey, look at this guy. Look at yeah. what he's doing. So it's exciting. So do you, do you, do you I, we like, and I'm just going to say this to you people listening, but we kind of plan things around series now. And I've, I've never done that my whole life. Well, you got into Amazing Race this, this past year, which I love because I love to see just the places that that people go it's, it's and if you travel at all right. yeah and i always blew it off like eh, i don't want to watch, watch that bad that and it's not i'm not saying it's that like that is on the same caliber it's like of another like survivor a, with couples a, exactly a house yeah. of cards i'm not putting the, the those two in the same but category there, there's a reason why that show wins the emmy a lot though because it's because it's really well filmed and it's very interesting to see this whole you know who doesn't want to see the world especially kind of from an adventurer standpoint yeah 
actually, I'm kind of addicted to it now. <laughs> but you've, you've done this to me. It's good. I had a VHS machine that blinked my entire life, no. or its entire life, and you're the queen of DVR. Thank God for the DVR. Because you can fast forward <laughs> through commercials. Don't say that. We love, we love commercial sponsors. Oh, we love commercial sponsors. <laughs> I understand. We were both in TV for a very long time. We understand the quality of a commercial segment. No, we don't. Yes, we do. Yes, very. we do. Anyway. Okay. Well, uh, hey, coming up next week, Denzel Washington plays the Yul Brynner part in the remake of The Magnificent Seven. And Eddie Murphy takes a quieter, softer mentoring role in a film called Mr. Church. I'm looking forward to both those films. Yeah. Well, and I also would say, because we do love this kind of question and answer portion, if anybody has any questions that they'd like for us to try to answer, you can, of course, follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill. Shoot him a message. Ask him a question. Sure. Um, me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Uncorked. And if you have any questions or want any more information on any of the films or wines we talked about, be sure to check out our blog. And you can link to that through our Facebook page also. And with that, I'm Gary Cogill, and as usual, I'm looking for the next great film. And I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, and I'm always in search of a great glass of wine. So join us next time on Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing.